0: Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We are finishing up our series called Five Smooth
1: Stones. Today, Pastor CJ gives a heartfelt, personal message called Addictions Must Fall. Addictions are more than the big three, drugs, alcohol, or pornography. Actually, one of the most widespread addictions out there today is the approval of others. Are you ready to break down your stronghold of addiction? We hope you enjoy this message
0: sermon notes let's get into it today as we end this series today addiction must fall Next week, we're going to talk about why we worship. I am so excited about next week's message about why we worship and what it does when we do worship and how it delivers us and sets the captives free and gives us such a sense of freedom and liberty in our lives. And so we've talked about over the last few weeks, we talked about uh, the first one, in order to be able to slay a giant, in order to slay a giant in your life, you first and foremost have to know who you are in Christ. If you don't understand who you are in Christ you're going to be defeated. The enemy doesn't look at you. He says just like when the when the the enemy came against Jesus, I know Paul, I know, but who are you? And the man that wasn't full of Jesus is the one the enemy beat up, ripped his clothes off and beat him up and he ran away naked. It's because he can identify who was the one who was not filled with the spirit or who did not know Jesus. So in order to slay giants, the first thing you have to do as we talked about several weeks ago, You have to know who you are in Christ. You have to know who you are in Christ. Your DNA is the power of the blood flows in you. Jesus lives in you. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. So the first step of slaying any kind of giant is you have to know who you are. You have to know that you are the child of God, that you are a royal priesthood. The second thing we talked about and for two weeks we talked about is fear. We we talked about fear and fear will paralyze you. It will hold you back. It will grip you, and it will maintain you in the area of your your, premise, uh, your 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 certain area, and that you will maintain that area because you're afraid or fearful to step out beyond those boundaries. And so, what is fear? False evidence appearing real. And we talked about fear that many people walk in fear, not knowing what tomorrow may bring and how I'm going to make it through each day. But when you know your God, you know that God surpasses or overcomes fear. And then the last couple of weeks ago we talked about anger. And how many of you know that anger destroys and anger is like a bomb and we've been having a lot of bombs go off lately around here. Amen. Boom, boom. Fireworks, man, I'm mean gonna tell you by our our cabin in Voyager, I and mean, the skies were lit up. Boom, boom. The dogs are going crazy, amen. And my my son, he has a Boston Terrier, and he is such a paranoid Floyd dog. He is not one of those brave Labs, amen. Whenever he hears a bomb go off, he's running to the couch and trying to get under it. He's such a paranoid Floyd. And uh, but how many know that anger? When you, you don't control your anger, it'll blow things up, it'll mess things up, and then you're left picking the pieces up after you uh, get your anger under control. But today. I want to talk to you about uh, something that's really strong. And I'm not just going to talk to you about the big three. We talk about the big three, uh, you know, alcohol addiction, drug addiction, uh, maybe sexual addiction or porn addiction or something. But I want to talk to you about several different addictions that sometimes we don't even realize we have. And these addictions can hold us back and take away the time that we should be spending with God, the time that we need to get away from things that maybe is is detouring us and getting us distracted because we're addicted to some things that are pulling us aside. But if you have your notes. That here's number one. If we never take care of the giants in our lives, the giants will take care of us. How many of you know that's true? You have to take care of the giants in your lives. If you never do, the giants will overcome you to a point that they will suppress you, defeat you, and discourage you in your life if you never attend to them. My grandma was a big gardener. How many of you here are gardeners, amen? Amen. And when you start out gardening, your your intention is to grow the best tomatoes, the best potatoes, the peppers, whatever else you want to grow in that garden. And my grandmother was a big gardener, man. She put the big fences around to keep the the rabbits out, the deer out, and she had this huge garden. And her intentions were, man, to make the best garden. And when she plowed it and she dissed it and she did all the things to make the soil right, and then she planted the seeds in the garden, But as time progressed, what happened was the weeds came up. And because you didn't attend to the weeds, the weeds overcame the fruits and the vegetables and all the things that you planted in the garden. It's the same way with us. If we don't attend or take care of the little giants, they're going to become big giants in our lives. So listen, if you never take care of the giants... They will take care of you. So you need to take care of them right away when you identify them, recognize them. Don't wait until they grow up to intimidate you and defeat you. Take care of them right away. Recognize the giants in your life and don't play with them and fondle them and rehearse them and nurse them and curse them. You need to deal with them right away. Another one is this God never fails. God never quits. Aren't you glad that God never fails? God never quits. And if God is on your side, He never fails and He never quits. Guess what? Listen to this God never fails, He never quits, and God never ends anything in a negative. God is always faithful. And if you right there, put down there, Lamentations chapter three. God says, "Great is thy faithfulness." That morning by morning, new mercies we find in Christ. He is always faithful. How many of you have ever said this? "I'm never going to make it. I'm doomed. I'm going under. I'm not going to be able to pay my car payment. I'm not going to be able to pay my rent." How many of you ever said that before? I know I did. Amen. I was poor as a church mouse, man. And I mean, I had many times when I was going to college, "I'm going to never go. I'm not going to make it. I'm doomed." And guess what? God always came through he was always faithful he's never too early he's never too late he's always on time that's the faithful God that we serve he's always faithful but in 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth there, and he's talking about the different weapons and things that we face. And how many of you know that God doesn't give us weapons to use against one another? A lot of times that's what we do. We use the weapons that God's given us, and we use them against brothers and sisters of like faith. That shouldn't be. What we need to do is we need to unite as brothers and sisters in Christ because what the Bible says, what two or three agree, it shall be done. And what happens a lot of times, we're un. We're under- divided, we're undivided, and we're, we're not united together sometimes as a church or a body of believers, and we're hurting our own people, and the enemy's having a heyday when we do that. And you know how we hurt each other? We hurt each other a lot of times, most of all in the church is by what we say, maybe what we're gossiping about, doing things that we shouldn't do, and those are weapons that we use against each other. But Paul is saying to the church in Corinth, he says this, for though we live in the world, how many know we are part of the world but not of the world. That's what the Bible says. We're part of the world, but not of the world. We're different. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 14, 2 that we are peculiar. Peculiar means being different, standing out above the norm. That's what peculiar means, that I'm standing out above the norm. I'm different from what the world is like. How do people really identify you as a Christian? Only by the words that you say. Talk is cheap, but action is deep. Action speaks louder than words, so you have to act out, you have to walk out your relationship with God. So how does people really know that you're peculiar and you stand out above the norm? You stand out above the norm by your lifestyle, your actions, your words, and your deeds. That's what makes a Christian or a believer different from the things of the world. That people will identify that what is different about you, Zach? What makes you different? That Man, you're not like the norm. You're not like everybody else. Man, you're going against the current. And how many know that sometimes going against the current is hard it's hard to go against the current if you ever go into a pool and you start going in a circle in the pool guess what happens it builds up a current but then after a while you try to go against the current what happens the current pushes against you and it's hard because you're resisting the going against the norm and that's what happens as a christian you're going against the norm in your life you're not going with the flow but you're going against the norm and that's what makes us stand out you're not going with everybody else and you're not doing what everybody else is doing. You're not saying what everybody else is saying. You're being a Christian and you're letting your light shine. Amen? So then he goes on to say we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. You see, we think of cannons, we think of guns, we think of machine guns, all these things. He's saying spiritual weapons. Now watch this. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Divine power is what? By the Spirit of God. You know that he gives us it tells us to put on the full armor of God, to dress up, to be suited, don't fight naked. I always say don't fight naked, to, to put on the full armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the, the the shoes and so on, the helmet of salvation. But what does he give us? The sword of the spirit, which is the word. And the word is the one and only offensive weapon. Isn't that right? So how you combat the enemy is speaking the word. The word is truth. The word will will is uh, separate. It will it'll, it'll Cut away those things in our lives that need to be cut away. And then he goes on to say, on the contrary, they have divine power to demol- demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the a knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what Paul is saying, strongholds. And if you have your notes, what is a stronghold? A stronghold is this. A stronghold magnifies the problem. Get this. A stronghold magnifies the problem and minimizes God's ability to solve it. How many of you know that's true? What a stronghold will do, it'll magnify the problem. It'll make it seem bigger than it really is. And the reason why, he wants to divert you off the promises and off the victories and the things that God has for your life, and he wants you to focus on the negative, on the stronghold that maybe is starting to eat at you, wear at you, maybe starting to dictate you, control you. And so he wants you to keep your eyes on that so that it becomes bigger in your life. And what you feed is what's going to grow, What you you starve is what's going to die. So if you're don't, if you not focusing on God, what's going to starve? It's going to starve your relationship. It's going to starve your strength with God. It's going to starve that intimacy with God. And when you starve that intimacy with God, what happens? It breaks down communication. And what happens in a marriage, the big three in a marriage is finances, it's sexual, and then it's communication. Those three things are the big things in marriage. So what happens when you break down communication in a marriage? What happens is it leads to... To what? Breakdown of intimacy. Then it breaks down with the financial things. But it all starts with communication. And I wonder sometimes, are we communicating with God on a daily basis? How are we going to be able to combat the enemy if we're not receiving our orders from headquarters, which is the Lord? You can't win a battle if you're not receiving the orders from headquarters. So you got to communicate with God. And here's the deal. You don't just communicate. Now get this. You don't just communicate with God when you're going through a battle. God is not your repairman. God is a God that wants intimacy intimacy with you every day. You see, we look at God sometimes as God is a fix-it. I'm going to get Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. And a lot of times that's what we do. We get Jesus on the main line only when we have a problem in our lives. But when we don't have a problem... I got it. But God wants that intimate relationship with you every day. And see, listen, a stronghold is a false premise that denies God's promise. Isn't that true? That denies God's promise in your life. It'll deny God. Do you really believe that? A stronghold is a a position to stand in your life. That's what a stronghold means. How many of you ever heard this statement? You give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Man, you do that with my grandson. I'll tell you, Kyrie, that little guy, you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. He's two years old. I'm telling you, Ellie, he is amazing. That little guy, if you give him one candy, he wants ten pieces of candy. He just don't want one, amen? and uh, he he just you give them but that's how the enemy works and it starts with a small sliver that's why it also says in galatians 5 verse 8 a little bit of yeast works through a whole batch of dough. You see, a little bit of yeast, everything starts with a seed. A seed produces a tree. A tree produces the fruit. And the same thing with a stronghold. Something that you may seem that's insignificant is what the enemy uses against you. And if you don't take care of it, it's going to be like the weeds that are going to choke out the vegetables or the fruit in your life. And what is the fruit? The fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, all these things. And so we have to take care of those things and when we identify them, then we have to take care of them because if we don't, then they're going to take care of us. Amen. Now, are you following that? So what is a stronghold? A stronghold is a position or a place to stand in your life. And let me ask you, how many have things in your life that you open the door for that position or that place or that stronghold to have a place in your life? Amen. I know I did through many things in my life. Addiction. Now, so today I want to talk to you about addiction. Now, here's addiction. Addiction will cause you to do something even if you don't want to do it. How many you know that's true? It'll cause you to do something even though you don't want to do it. When I was doing my drugs, and I, I kid you not, I was talking to an individual uh, at, at the, the other day at the church event we were at, and I was talking to an individual, and, and they were, man, they were involved with drugs, and I was involved with drugs, and she had the same situation, and when I started doing drugs, it all started out with coke, I'm excuse me, it started out with, with marijuana. Marijuana led to acid. Acid led to cocaine. Cocaine led to shooting. All these things that I did in my life, but it was just a sliver in my life that led to doing these things to a point that I could not get the big enough fix that I tried to commit suicide. And it all started by me allowing a sliver or a foothold to start to grow in my life, which I thought was nothing. It was insignificant. When I smoked my first joint in seventh grade, even if I found the the, the Marlboro, box, I'll never forget, the Marlboro box, which I thought were cigarettes inside, were actually joints inside this Marlboro hard crush box, and I took them to my friend's house, and I asked her, I said, Vicki, what is this, and she said, these are joints, she said, hey, you can have them, but you got to give me half, obviously, she she was smoking them too, amen, I felt like ching ching chong, up in smoke, amen, and, uh, but you know what, it started with a sliver, and a stronghold starts, went just by being innocent. And it started from the, from the marijuana. It started to the microdot acids in my eyes. It started to the coke that led to six surgeries. It started to the next with my scars on my arms, all because of the fact I never dealt with the stronghold. And addiction, because of that, now what's because of I was addicted to that, guess what I did? I caused pain to many people I didn't even realize I was causing pain too. I hurt my mother. I hurt my brother. I hurt my sister. I mean, I'm mean, i six sisters. I used to beat my brother up, and I didn't even realize I beat him up. It was causing me this addiction, Dan, to do things I didn't even realize I was doing. And sometimes when you're caught up in addictions, you yourself don't even realize you're doing, but the outsiders recognize it. And what was happening to me, the outsiders were recognizing my addiction, but I was denying my addiction, and I was turning into a monster and hurting people because I would not admit that I had an addiction. Somebody say amen. And what happens is addiction. addictions will kill you. Addictions come in all shapes and sizes and different forms. Addiction is not all about the big three, drugs, alcohol, porn. It has many different facets. So here are some of the facets that deal with addiction. and I call them the addresses of addiction. Watch this. Number one, the addiction to work. Man, do you know that work is an addiction? That many people just love the work, 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 and a lot of times they bury themselves in their work because they don't want to face the reality of life, so they try to bury it in work. Another one is addiction to material things. You're always trying to fill that void of unhappiness, of dissatisfaction with material things, get the best, the brightest, the shiniest thing, and and so you look like me, look at me, look at Santa D, because you always are trying to fill that monster of materialism. Addiction to spending money. Man, spending money, spending money foolishly, whatever it may be. You see, I always say this. Write this down. It's easy, it's easy to obtain. It's easy to obtain, but harder to maintain. You can obtain everything in the world. Man, God blesses, but it's harder to maintain. So you can, Michael, obtain everything, but can you maintain it? You see, a lot of times God blesses you, but in your blessings, are you foolish with your blessings in which God gives you? You see, that's why he talks about in the storehouse, storing up those things in the storehouse so that you're prepared in season and out of season. And if you look back in the Old Testament, there was many times there was droughts. But because they were wise and they maintained, they maintained that which they had, they were prepared for the the droughts. And a lot of times, whatever, it's easy to obtain. It's easy to obtain, but harder to maintain. And so a lot of times we're spending money foolishly. Addiction to food. You know, it's easy to be addicted to food. Amen. Like I said, my belly is full of fish right now. I feel like I got a goldfish in there. I got a bass in there. I got sunfish in there. What else did we eat, Michael? Oh, man, I was it northern? I don't know. They had a wapatui of fish. Amen. And I'm. it's all there. Another one is addiction to pain. Addiction to pain. You know that when I when I was a, a youth pastor, I'll never forget this. There was a big craving. It's coming back, and I hate to say this. So, young people, close your ears for a minute, young people, because this is so true. Back when I was a youth pastor, there was such addiction to pain, and you know what it was? It was cutting. Man, kids were cutting themselves, and now it's crazy. How many of you know if what you wore in the seventies is now in today? Thank you, Jesus. I kept my clothes from the seventies. Amen. But that's the same way. What's happening is kids today, what happened back in the day when I was youth pastor, kids are doing it today because they're addicted to pain. And the pain, what is it doing, it's masking the internal pain that they have, the emotional pain, the emotional scars that they received maybe as growing up as childhood uh, things. And they had scars in their life. And so what they're doing is they're cutting themselves to do what? To take away the emotional pain that they have in their lives. And if you look at where that cutting came from, look back in the days of Elijah. They began to cut themselves when they were trying to call upon their God. And because their God wouldn't answer them, what happened was they began to cut themselves thinking that they would sacrifice and their God would hear them. It's a demonic thing that the enemy uses against people today. And another one is this. The addiction to people. We need the approval of man. If we don't have the approval of man and women in our lives, we feel like we're man, that we're nobody. That we feel that we have to have the importance, man, of people in our lives. That, man, if he or she doesn't like me, man, we fall apart. And we're so concerned about the approval of man and women that we do everything we can to win them over. And so because we try to win that person over, we forget about maybe others around us that truly love us. And so you know what they said? We can go after the one, but if we don't take care of the 99, guess what? You're going to lose the 99, and now you're just going to have the one. And so we're so addicted to trying to appease people and try to win people over that sometimes what happens is we lose the 99 and we gain the one. And then another one is a big addiction that's with our young people today is addiction to social media. Wow. Is that sweeping today in our society? Sweeping today in our society, uh, social media. sure and I—it was so funny. We we were at a wedding. It was my wife and I and her father-in-law. And I did a wedding. It was at the theater there in Burnsville, Minnesota, a beautiful place. And uh, on the right side was the party, the the wedding party and the wedding group and the moms and dads and so on and so forth. And on this side was just the wedding people that were there to to honor them and show their respects and their gratitude for the wedding and that kind of thing. And all of a sudden we we did. Deliberately, seriously, we deliberately sat in the back table. And this thing was a long hall. I mean, it was a big hall and, and man, full of people. And uh, we started cracking up because this side, the people, you should have seen, Sue, they were all communicating. They were laughing. They were having fun. Man, they were just having a great time. But then we started cracking up. You guys, not you guys. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. They over here on the left side, Chris, they all had their phones out. And not one person was talking to each other. And me and Cheryl were even laughing like, I bet you they're texting each other. They're sitting right next to each other. And I bet they're even texting each other. I had a pastor friend that that he had to tell his staff to stop bringing their phones to staff meeting because they would bring their phones to staff meeting. And what happened was he took the phone away from, from one of the staff members. And the staff member was texting the staff member that was right next to him. So he says, the rule is now, no longer do you bring your phones to staff meeting. And what's happening is we're breaking down communication And we're breaking down the skills of communicating with one another. And so what happens is that we are becoming addicted to these things. And not that they're wrong, because I I do Facebook, and if you know, I respond to you at certain times in the day. I look at Facebook twice a day, and what I'll do is I'll respond to you to let you know I'm connected with you. And then I put it away. Because I know what happens, I can get so drawn into it that it takes me away from what really matters. And what really matters is the hearing the voice of the Lord. So I'll respond to you, and I'll, re- I'll write to you, and I'll, a lot of times I'll even re- respond to you late at night. Right, Chris? Because resp- you know what I'll do? My day is over. And when my day is over, then what happens is then I'll get on there and I'll say, hey, boom, I got time. I'm going to respond. Let you know that, Sue, I'm connected to you. So a lot of times there's a lot of different addictions that we have in our lives. So look at this. Addiction is anything that we can live without. It's, uh, addiction is anything we can't live without. We are enslaved to this thing. So how, how many of you, if you really were honest, what are maybe you enslaved to? Think about that. Can, do you really have the willpower to walk away from it? If you can't say, yes, I do, then maybe you have an addiction to that see, listen, a habit, a habit we can't break. It's a person we can't separate from. It's a pattern we can't change. Maybe that's an addiction. You know, uh, it's a person we can't separate from. You know, all through our lives, for 38 years of ministry, I have seen some highs and lows in people's lives. And some of the highs and lows that I've seen in people's lives is this relationships. I want you to hear your pastor. Please hear me today. Please hear me. I've seen it all. There's nothing, I can tell you honestly, Chris, there, I don't think there's anything, anything in Cheryl and I's life that shocks us anymore. We've seen it all. I've been to court cases. I've sat on courts. I've been in judges' rooms. I've been in this, that. I've done it all. But you know one of the saddest things that I see as a pastor sometimes is the hurts and the scars that people keep running back to relationships that are hurting them? Can I be honest with you? I've seen through the years, man. It's just it's, it's crazy. I've, I've seen through the years that people they can't separate from misery because misery loves company, and they can't separate and they go back into this relationship and they over and over again, Alice. And what happens, they keep getting hurt over and over again. And you want to just take them and say, why don't you walk away? And you know what the response is a lot of times? I can't. And when you ask them why they can't, they say, I don't know. And what happens a lot of times, we get hurt in relationships that we know we shouldn't be involved in. Somebody say amen. You see, listen. One of the most widespread addictions out there today is the approval of others. Addiction steals, breaks down families, destroys communication, and gives us a sense false of belonging. How many know that's true? A sense false of belonging. The root cause of most addiction is pain. Now, get this. It's pain. Here's the pain. Here's why we start with rejection. And I, when I wrote this, I promise you, I wrote this on the basis of my pain. When you have three fathers and when you have three mothers and you go through this line, like I said, you've been rejected. When you go through that, if you look at my knuckles, one knuckle is bigger than the other, it's because I used to pound the wall under the porch of my house and make my knuckles literally bleed because I hated my, my stepfather Ralph. I was still through rejection. I used to get beat and got the bump still on my head to prove it. And a lot of times we do things out of the rejection that we face. And so with the rejection that we face, we find an addiction to appease that rejection. And see, what I did is I found drugs to c- cover up the rejection that I had. And then when my third father came along, guess what I found? I found alcohol. That's when I turned into the alcoholic that I was. And it was my third father that turned me into the alcoholic. And it was all because of trying to mask the pain of rejection. And that's why people get addicted to certain things because they're trying to hide really what's inside. And you know what? You can take an apple. It could look great on the outside. But the inside, if you take a bite of it, it's all bruised. And that's what people are today. They're walking around bruised inside, looking great on the outside. They dress nice and look nice. They drive a nice car. But inside, they're bruised. It's because they're masking the pain of their rejection through an addiction. And they're never confronting the giant of that addiction. Until they confront that giant, they're always going to be bruised inside. But look at this. He said addiction, it says, or rejection, someone's inflicted pain on you. How many of you can relate to that? Maybe your mom or your dad. Maybe your brother or your sister. Maybe a relative inflicted pain on you. And you've been carrying that in your life. And because you never confronted that giant, you've attracted yourself to an addiction that's filled that void of pain in your life. And that's what a lot of people do. And trust me, as your pastor, I deal with this all the time because people come into my office and they'll cry and they say, Pastor. And they begin to share their story. And the root of their story started from a pain in their life that led them to addiction. You see, we turn our addictions because our relational pains, economical pains, emotional pain, and we are convinced you don't have what it takes. How many you know that that's so true? When you face all these things, you write yourself off, and you just start going with the flow. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. But God says, listen, every one of you, you are a royal priesthood a people belonging to God, that God's put a seal upon you, and that seal that he's put upon you is guaranteeing to what is going to come. And you have a choice to step out to find out. you got to step out of your pain to find out what's on the other side. you got to step out to step in to what God has for you. And if you never step out to find out or step out to step in, you will never experience that which God has for you. You see, listen, Psalms 34, verse 3, I want you to get this in your heart. Glorify, or another King James says, glorify or magnify the Lord with me. Let us or me or you, put your name there. Every every chapter that deals with a a reference to putting my name there, where it says, us, let CJ, let CJ exalt his name together. You know what magnify or glorify means? It's on your notes. It means this. Glorify or magnify means to make bigger in your hearts. That, God, I'm going to magnify you. Now, listen, I know this is true. I've been to all AA programs. I've been to this. I spoke at MAD. I traveled all around the state of Colorado, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. I've did it all. I used to travel. On my burnout stage, I put over 100,000 miles on. That's where I got burnt out at. I traveled and I did all those things. I went spoke at AA programs and I did 12-step programs and I got the medals. I never was involved in it, but I spoke at them. I'm here to tell you today, there is a way to break your addiction. There is a way. And everybody thinks this is simple, but it is simple. You know what simple means? It means kiss. Kiss means keep it simple, stupid. That's what kiss means. You got to keep it simple, stupid. And this is how you keep it simple. It all starts with God. I'm not here, I'm not here to, to, to put something on you that isn't true. I'm telling you from a personal experience what changed and revolutionized my life. It wasn't that I went through this. It wasn't when I went through that. It was a day at the Howard Johnson Hotel when I was trying to commit suicide two weeks prior to my attempt. I was addicted to all these things. And guess what? I magnify the Lord. And when I magnify the Lord, the Lord became bigger in my heart because out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. And God has to change your heart heart first that's why he says behold I stand at your door and knock that he that hears my voice that opens the door I will come in and sup with him and he with me you have to say God I'm going to magnify you in my heart become bigger in my heart my little grandson I'm so proud of him I, I call him secretariat because he's only two, a month old he just became a month old and that two weeks he was already rolling over and if you ever seen the movie Secretariat, man, I love that movie. I watched it 46 times because I love it because he's a champion. And you know what? You know why Secretariat was great? Because when he was born, the first thing he did, he didn't lay there in his waddle and his, his mess. He got up to his feet and the trainer said, have you ever seen that before? And they said, no. And guess what? Secretariat came. He became a champion. But you know what made Secretariat great? Secretariat had a big heart. And let me tell you something, folks. The start of breaking your addiction starts by letting God become bigger in your heart. God, I'm going to magnify you in my heart because out of the overflow of my heart, the mouth speaks. Lord, it's in my heart that puts the blood from the top of my head to the tip of my toes. I'm going to magnify you in my heart. The second thing, make God bigger in your mind because everything starts with a thought. A thought. Everything starts with a thought that God, I'm going to fix my eyes on you, the author and the perfecter of my faith, that God, you're going to transform me by the renewing of my mind. God, I need to do this, Lord. I'm going to make you bigger in my mind. What you think is what you're going to be. What a man thinketh in his heart, so he will be. you got to say, God, i got to think about you, whatever is pure, whatever is just, whatever is holy, whatever is pleasing. Philippians 4, 8, I'm going to think upon you. And in verse 9 of Philippians 4, he says, then put it into practice. You can think about it, but now you got to act it out. Put feet under your faith and act out what you're thinking. That God, I am somebody special. I am a champion. I I am a conqueror. I am a winner. I'm going to make God bigger in my mind. Look at this. I'm going to make God bigger in my conscience, I'm going to get rid of this stinking thinking. Stinking thinking will kill you. This is the start of breaking the addictions in your life. Trust me. When I wrote this, I promise you, this is what God did for me. This is what you're seeing here right now. This is personal experience. People always say the best counselor is one that's gone through it. Well, you're 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 reaching the re- remedy that changed my life. The last one, Brett, is this. Think bigger in your faith. Oh God. I remember, Leon, I'll never forget this. I'll, I promise you. If my sister was here, I'll have her testify when she comes to visit. I remember when I was kicked out of my home when I was a junior in high school, and I was living with my sister Marlis and my sister Janie, and we had three bedrooms, Marlis' room, my room, and Janie's room. I was stuck in between my two sisters. And when I was going through this addiction, man, I was messed up. I was so messed up. I didn't even know that I was beating up my sister until she finally told me in, the, in Colorado when she came to visit me. I'll never forget. You know that this is true, because I'm telling you, guys, gals, listen to your pastor. you got to get bigger in your faith. When I laid there in my waterbed in the middle of that room, and I was going through the withdrawals of alcohol and drugs, my sister kept praying, and she kept believing with me. He kept standing with me. CJ, you're going to overcome this. You're going to beat this, CJ. I was sweating through t-shirts one right after another, right after another, for two solid weeks. Man, I was going through withdrawals, but she He kept saying, CJ, I'm praying for you. I'm believing for you. And isn't that exactly what Jesus said? Peter, Jesus, the, the devil has come to ask to sift you as wheat. He said, Peter, the devil's come to sift you as wheat. Isn't that what addictions do? They try to sift you as wheat. They try to destroy. They try to break things up in your life. But what did Jesus say to Peter? He didn't jump in there and fight the battle. He said, Peter, I'm praying for your faith. You see, folks listen, there is someone praying for you today. You may be in this middle of addiction, but you got to hold on to your faith. You got to hold on, that I'm not letting go. God, you're going to come through for me. I'm going to get through this battle. You can do it. I'm trust I know I'm speaking today. this is from my heart. I think you may even tell that, sir, because this is from my heart., Man, He can do it. Gotta kind of hold on to your faith. You say, well, pastor, I don't have faith. Yes, you do. Every one of us has been given a measure of faith. You see, listen, when you glorify the Lord, your enemies and your addictions will scatter. Why? Because God is light in them. There is no darkness. And God exposes the dark. And what is dark? Addictions. And when you glorify the Lord, it exposes those addictions in your life. And it reveals them to you. And now it's up to you to correct them. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can. You can. Don't you dare let the enemy tell you you can't when you can. In Psalms 34, verse 8, I love this. This verse of scripture, David is saying, taste and see that the Lord is good. You got to taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You know what, I've traveled all over different places in different countries, and there's nothing that I didn't turn down, And because I wanted to try it all. There's things that I ate, man, that I didn't like, but I tried it, and I found out that I didn't like it, so I didn't eat it again, but I had to taste it to find out I didn't like it. Here's the key, you got to taste it to find out if you like it. You got to taste it. My son-in-law is a coffee entrepreneur, this guy, is, man, knows his coffee, I don't even know how to say a latte, he knows how to say all of them, man, I, I, just, I just go in there, and I get the simple, give me a hot chai tea with 1%, thank you, Jesus, that's very easy to say, but you got to taste and see that the Lord is good, now look at blessed, now get this, this is you, blessed is the one CJ who takes refuge in him, he calls you blessed, You see, when you're going through an addictions place in your life or a struggle in your life, I always say this. I'm too blessed to be stressed because guess what? I taste it and see that the Lord is good, and because he is good in my life, I'm too blessed to be stressed. And because I'm blessed, I don't have to run to that stuff. I don't have to be a dog that returns back to his vomit. I'm going to be free indeed through Christ Jesus our Lord. You see what I'm saying? Taste and see, and look at this. It says, "You will never know until you taste and try God in the area of your pain, addiction, or the approval of man. You will never know." I know that this sounds simple, but it's true. Hear your pastor today. This is the steps to walking out of addictions in your life. If God can do it for me, He can do it for you. And here's the beautiful thing: God is not a respecter of person. Romans two eleven says He doesn't show favoritism to me any more than He does to you. But you have to have a will, and you have to have a choice that this is the day the Lord has made. Now watch this. Make a choice to rejoice and be glad in it. You have to make that choice. Amen. Psalm 68, verse 1, look at this. May God arise. May his enemies be scattered. May the fools flee before him. May God arise. But you notice what he said? His enemies. Enemies of addiction. Enemies that are pulling you down, that are separating you from maybe your spouse. Enemies that are hurting you and your kids. Enemies, those are enemies. It's not the physical form of of punching each other in the face. Those are the obvious. The enemies are those that are stealing from you. That's what the enemy says in John 10:10 10, 10, that the devil comes to kill, rob and destroy. Those are the enemies that are rising up its ugly head and taking from you slowly, slowly, slowly till eventually you're you're powerless. Isn't that exactly what happened to Samson? Man, Delilah, what did she do? She kept coming at him, kept coming at him. Eventually, she found his secret to his strength, cut his hair. And that's exactly what the enemy does. He'll slowly but surely, he'll eat at you, eat at you, eat at you, until when the enemy really rises his ugly head, you're powerless because you, you let him gnaw at you. And then you're defeated. See, Jerry, that's what it's all about, that God arrives in his enemies. What is your enemy? What is your addiction? What is pulling you and hurting pain and bringing pain to your family? Here, let me give you these things. The Lord will replace the need of addiction with his presence and his strength. When I uh, was going through the withdrawal, how many of you ever remember this? Is, I'm dating myself, okay, and you young people are going to remember this. But how many of you ever remember this song? Surely the presence of the lord is in this place i can feel his mighty power and his grace watches i can hear the brush of angels wings i see glory on each face surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And I used to lay in that bed saying, God, if you're in this place. I would play that 8 track cuz that's of the day we had 8 tracks. We didn't have we didn't have CDs. When I look at a CD now, you know what a CD stands for for me? Christ dividends. Amen. So I don't look at it every time I put in a CD worship, I'm getting Christ dividends. Amen. Amen. I guess I'm going to close, and Jeremiah, if you want to, we're going to put, get ready with that, that. the ending there. Now watch this. How do you do this? Steps to overcoming addiction. Number one, here's the key. Number one, be honest with yourself that you have an addiction. It all starts there. You know what? When I dealt with alcoholics and drug addicts and used to travel around doing mad and doing all the other things I did, People never got healed until they finally admitted it themselves. Until they finally admitted they had a problem. It's the truth that sets you free. And if you can't be honest with yourself, you're not going to be free. And only you know if there's things that are controlling your life and are dictating you and directing you and making you do things you shouldn't do. And so I had to be honest with myself. I had to be honest with myself. Honesty. Honesty. Number two, fill your void with His presence, God. I know this sounds simple, but it's true. God, you say, delight thyself in the Lord; He'll give you the desires of your heart. Lord, I'm delighting in You. Delighting, I'm waiting upon You. They that wait upon the Lord, He shall what renew their strength. Do something different in your day. What that means is I had to do something different. The first thing I had to do, I had to break away from those things that were leading me down the wrong road. So what is bad company corrupts good character. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Bad company corrupts good character. So I had to separate myself from those people that I knew that were leading me down the wrong road. And I loved these people. And you know what's so crazy about that? All those people that were leading me down the wrong road, many of them today, guess what? I have a chance now, and I led them to Jesus. That's no kidding. Seriously. One of the biggest ones that used to lead me down the road, I won't say his name because he's a big guy in the denomination. But guess what? I led him to the Lord through a book, Whitney Prattney, the Handbook of Followers of Jesus. I led him to the Lord, right? Guess what happened? Today, he's the top. Now, get this, the top dog in the denomination for youth. He oversees around the U.S. That's how big he is for the youth in this denomination. He was one of the ones that used to push on me. Come on, Johns. Come on, CJ. But I had to separate those things from bad influences. Do something different in your day. Go for a walk away from the need of your addiction. Now, watch this. I close with this. When Cheryl and I lived in Colorado, we would always travel down the same road, F and a half road. We would drive down the road, and we'd see all the pretty sights. It was awesome. It was great. Beautiful farms there. and Where we lived in, in Grand Junction, there was a lot of agricultural there and so on. Really cool. Then we took up health pr- things, and we started to want to get healthy, right? So we started riding bikes. And then we started riding bikes, and as we were going down F and a half road, we started seeing Shauna different different things, man, that we'd never seen in the car. It's like, I, n- I never saw that before. Wow, Cheryl, did you see that before? Did you know that that crick was down there? No, I didn't know it was down there. But now I could see it because I was slowing down my life. Then my wife took a speed walk. I mean, I, I thought it was speed walk. Uh, she she We started walking. And once we slowed our life down, guess what? Everything, man, became slower. I mean, It's like, wow, I'd walk, and how many guys, you guys would love this. We'd be walking along the shoulder, and I'd find tools. I'm like, hey, I didn't see that before. Thank you. I still got some in my toolbox. I'm not kidding. But I'd find tools, but I'd find things that I never had before. And part of it is when you walk away from your addiction and slow, slow your life down, your mind becomes back into focus because broken focus leads you down to disaster. But when you get back into focus, it brings strength in your life. So I had to go into those different phases from the car to the bike to walking. And once I did that, man, it took away that need for addictions in my life. Now, we started this series with this, and we're going to end it with this. Check this out. You are a champion.
1: Be the last one standing, two hands
0: stand Let's all stand. Today you are a champion. You are a champion. And every day you have to be your own cheerleader. As I close with this, David, the Bible said, had to encourage himself in the Lord every day. He didn't wait for the cheerleaders to cheer him on. He didn't wait for mom and dad to put his arm around them. He encouraged himself in the Lord and he became a champion today you are a champion father thank you lord jesus that we are a champion we've broken off the giant of addictions we've broken off the giant of fear we've broken off the giant of anger we know who we are in christ and so father we can hold our head high and our shoulders up knowing that we are a champion we walk with strength courage and power because of you in our lives Bless each individual here today, and I pray that, God, if there are those that are facing addictions in any way, shape, or form, they know what they are, that, Father, first and foremost, that they will be honest with themselves, that they will be honest with themselves and allow you, secondly, to come into that area of need in their life, whether it be emotional pain, pain of rejection, or whatever the case may be that caused them to lead up to addictions set them free indeed bless your people bless your church we thank you father and we give you all the glory in jesus name and all god's people said amen let's give the lord praise amen god bless you today god bless you thank you for being here god bless you thank you for listening to this week's message from adventure church well it's finally here the adventure church app we invite you to download it by searching either apple app store or google play or simply text AC Siren
1: app all one word to 77977 to get a direct
0: link. You can also check out our website www.adventurechurchsiren.com.